there needs to be a little bit of savviness to understand what the risks are, be educated as to what to do, how to do it, find the right deal, find also the right operator. By the time you get your money back, the properties has no value. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey everyone, welcome to Big Fat Real Estate Checks. My name is Marco Kozlowski and I'm here today with Gabriel Araish and Francesco Galluccio. Gabriel is out of Montreal, Frank is out of Toronto, and I am out of Orlando. And all three of us, all thrice of us are Canadians and we are passionately helping others learn financial concepts and develop skills so you can never use your own money again, but use exclusively other people's money, other vehicles, other mechanisms, other tools that are available so you can grow your wealth exponentially without using money or credit, but using skill sets. And I've been at this for 22 years and all three of us together, probably 200 million years since we're also helping others. And uh, we actually get almost I'd say 20 years of experience every year. I'm not kidding because of the number of humans that we help and see all the problems that come in and out. And today we're, is no exception to uh, us sharing our knowledge and we value your feedback. And of course, if you love this series or have not listened to the first 10 episodes, make sure that you do. It explains asset-based lending, just one of the many ways that we do acquire assets. In fact, it's only maybe 10% of the ways that we acquire assets. Uh, we do a lot of creative financing stuff, a lot of private lending stuff, uh, using self-directed IRAs, TFSAs, a lot of interesting uh, mechanisms that we will be discussing in the uh, next couple of episodes. And uh, of course, if you love this episode, please subscribe and give us more five-star comments. We are hungry for them. Nom, 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 nom. We want as many as possible. And because uh, we, we already have over a thousand and we want to get to 2000 as quickly as possible. So today we're going to be discussing, I think, private lending and private lending, uh, private lending yes, on how to get money privately. Uh, and uh, full disclaimer, we are not experts in private lending. We have been doing it a long time. If uh, we do get some extremely good feedback and you are craving for us to bring in an expert on private lending, I know five or six off the top of my head, one specifically that has been doing this a very long time. As long as I have actually, very rare to find someone that's been doing this for a very long time. I actually um, share many speaking engagements with this gentleman and uh, I've learned a lot from him as well. But uh, we're gonna do our best to do our best without a mystery guest. But again, if you want one, I'll be delighted to invite someone in and pick their brain and um, really get the skinny on what's possible. So who would like to start this private lending journey with moi? Frank. I'll start with the private Frank. lending. Why not? Just, Why not? Private lending skinny. excites Frank. Well, you know what? It I does. think it's, it is. Because number one, when you're in this business, that's what I'm going to try and achieve is trying to do some more private lending. But I think it's becoming more popular. People are, for the majority of the population, people are just used to the traditional, you need a loan, you're going to go buy an asset or a property or a car, whatever that big ticket item is, usually a big ticket item. And it's always the bank. It's always the bank. They go to the bank. And in Canada, you know, we only have like five banks, five charter banks. Wait, you, did you count um, Canadian Tire some, Bank? Because there is a Canadian Tire Bank now. <laughs> well, I don't think they're chartered. The five big banks and then, yeah, there's many credit unions and charter banks. And there's only a handful of them. And they know the rule. It's, it's, like, the cell phone, yeah. it's like the cell phone companies up here. We only have like three. <laughs> Pick one. Pick your poison, right? So traditionally, people just go to their bank, whether it's you know TD Bank or Royal Bank. It's the same thing. You know, they're gonna 
have you fill out, you know, a Bible of documents, you know, your blood type, where you're working. They really want to make sure that you'll be able to pay this loan back. Mm -hmm. And they even have what's called even a stress test. I don't know if they have it in the States, but in Canada they do because a lot of people with interest rates being low as they are, a lot of people are over leveraging and the banks get a little bit worried that they're not going to make their, you know, $3 billion in their quarter. So they put what's called a stress test. If the interest and, rates go up, basically. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. they dictate, okay, well, if Frank comes in and Linda, my wife, and they want a mortgage for a million dollars to purchase a home, and here's their income, if it goes up a basis point or half a basis point, will they still be able to sustain that debt service? And if it, you know, if they put it into the computer and it says no, they're going to say, sorry, you can't get a mortgage. Yeah, that's and new. That happened a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah Post-financial uh, post crisis, well, that's when it came in. Yeah, and typically what people do at that point is they forget about the million-dollar property, the property they really want to buy. They told us we can't afford it, so let's go to a lower property. Let's go to a smaller property. And sadly, that's what's happening. But I think over the last five years, at least five years up in Canada and the U.S., actually the U.S. I think is way ahead of Canada, but there's a lot more private money going on because a lot of people are getting wind of it. Like, wait a second, the banks are making you know $3 billion every quarter on lending out and fees and things like that. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that have deep pockets and lazy money sitting there. So instead of putting it into a, a stock market where they really don't have that much control, it's volatile based on, you know, the economy, based on geo news and things like that, they start lending out. So they build these funds or uh, private equity funds or lending funds or just private individuals saying, shit, I got some money. You want it? I just want to secure it on a property. Period. So they have that equity portion in there and they're happy. They don't need all that red tape and all that document. So I think it's a uh, really exciting for people to not necessarily can those that can't really qualify for a traditional, if you want to call it loan. There's many, many options out there. And actually a lot of them are actually better than the banks because they're more flexible on you getting out of it or you want to pay more. The banks actually penalize you for paying more. You know, if you want to put some money down, they're going to say, well, you put you prematurely put more money down than we wanted. We're going to penalize you for that. Also, and just as a contrast in Canada is every five years or three years, you have to go back and renew your mortgage. And in the US, you have a mortgage once and it pays off after 25, 30 years. You don't have to ever go back to the bank. It's a one-time shot. Where in Canada, it's just, renewed more fees more this more that interest rate goes up it's a song and dance it's terrible it's uh very very interesting and in private lending you don't have that you can borrow money from an individual and say it's a 10-year note i'll see you in 10 years you just make your payments for 10 years because that's all they want so private is generally way easier you know it's people call that hard money i call that easy money because at a bank, you got like you said, your Bible of shit that you have to fill out. You know, they want firstborn stool sample, urine sample, semen sample, <laughs> blood. You know, they want every sample possible, and they have their me hooks into you. Whereas a private lender, it's it's so much easier. And we keep going, Frank. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, when I found out about that, because we do amortization here, so you can get a loan over here or a mortgage. You know, four percent, five percent, whatever it is you know 30-year amortization but it's not really a 30-year amortization the reason they put it in there is just to lower your monthly but you're absolutely right you got to go in every three years and you got to do this all over again and guess what if you don't pass the stress test then then what yeah they're not going to renew you no, they, and there's only five banks here yeah you're going to lose so, your house because you can't your things have changed and it's a terrible yeah. terrible system terrible it is and it's designed yeah, for the so, banks to make more money not for the canadians it's what oligopolies do, do right yeah 
Yeah, but yeah. that's the beauty of the U.S. is there's thousands of banks. It's, it's a totally different system. Anyway, let's get into it. We're not get, maybe this is a banking yeah. session instead of a private lending well, no, session. No, no, I just wanted to explain the difference why private lending has been become more popular is because mm. people are fed up that the banks are making all this money and making them jump through hoops, which is not fair to the average consumer. And people realize that, and that's why they're opening these private equity funds or they're doing private lending where there's less red tape, more favorable terms, because it's flexible. It's like it, they, there's not a rule book to it. Like, you know what? You want to put so much down. You want to have an anniversary. You want to, you want to pay it off in two years. You want to do this. You want to renew it. You need more. A lot of private lenders work with, especially investors in real estate. Mm. They work with you. Yep. Not only are they going to help you acquire the properties, asset-based lenders, they'll even help you and lend on if there's any rehab. Right, say, hey, is there any work to need to be done on the property? Yeah, well, you know, we want to spruce it up or bring it up to these uh, standards and blah 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 and so forth. They'll actually lend on that full amount, and because there's a vested interest for the lender too, because if you're putting in fifty thousand on capex or you know improvements to the property, the value is going to go up. They're going to feel a little bit more comfortable that you're going to be able to you know start making money on it or even flip it or whatever your exit strategy is on that point. So, we all dabbed with private lending, and I love it. Well, um, you bought your mobile home park with a private loan. Gabe, yeah. you bought your apartment complex and a mobile home park. And a few I other did, things. I did everything with everything. private well, I, think, yeah. I think, Single families. I'm going to think yeah. about it. I think almost every deal that I know that I've helped you with. Yeah, all private all loans. All private loans. Yeah. With, yeah. You, you, and, you know, they're fucking thrilled to get nice interest every month. And, you know. Well, that's the thing. And if you want to look at private lending, and I think. I think the topic today is private lending, but let's look at it from as an investment vehicle because that's what's kind of cool. So a lot of individuals don't have time to or don't want to take the time or don't feel like sourcing deals and I guess building the deal, if you will, and putting it together, which is, you know, I guess was part of the things that we love to do. Like we kind of love, you know, building this whole puzzle and, and making it fit. But private lending is kind of just one piece of the puzzle. And as an investor, it's an extremely great position to be in. And we'll go, you know, if we reverse engineer what we do, once we are at the lending point, the private lender takes a first position mortgage, typically, uh, they could be a second position mortgage, but typically they take a first position mortgage on a property and at a loan to value of say, you know, 70, maybe 75, 80% of the value of the property. So there's still 20% of equity. Now, as a lender, if I'm the private lender and I'm, you know, property's worth a million dollars and I, I'm coming in with 750000 as a loan and you're, I guess, the person borrowing the money is going to be bringing in 250000 and they're paying me like 7, 8, 9, 10, 12% depending on the, on the risk levels. That's a lot of money and that's almost guaranteed income. Yes. It's monthly income. It's recurring income. And I don't have to worry about management. I don't have to worry about changing toilets. I don't have to worry about tenants paying, not paying. That's the burden is on the operator. My I, my position is I am now the bank. I think a lot of investors don't understand is they can be the bank. If you have access to capital, it doesn't have to be your own. If you have access to, you know, whether you refinanced your house and got interest rates of which are retardedly low now, like it's you, you can get credit lines at like one and a half percent, two percent, and you can lend that as a private lender at you know 11. 10 12 percent 11 percent yeah, yeah you, it's unreal and then there's 
you know, points where these fees that are upfront in order for the lender to actually take the time to look at your deal. And, you know, you only pay them if you get the loan, but you still have to pay them. So that 11% becomes 13% or 12% if it's over a couple of years. So I think as a vehicle, it's a great way of being exposed to real estate and the benefits of real estate, but without being exposed necessarily to all the risks. Now, the downside is obviously if there's appreciation of property, you're not getting any piece of that action. But if person does fail to make payments, then, and you know, that's not something that you should be going into private lending for. But if the person does miss payments, you as the lender have recourse to take back that property. And in theory, there's equity in there. So you really, your returns on your money become greater if someone doesn't do what they're supposed to do. And your worst possible returns are if the person borrowing the money actually pays you based on the contract. And that return is still extremely attractive and sexy. And if you actually do that through a tax, a tax deferral vehicle or a tax savings vehicle, you know, that's a tax free return on your money, which is, it's amazing. There's nothing better than that. And the position of a private lender is probably, in my opinion anyways, and you guys can tell me whether I'm right or wrong on this or how you feel. But in my opinion, I think the private lender's position is the best one in the real estate spot. Well, you're you have a passive you very you have a very passive role in this, like you said. If those that don't want to, you know, deep dive, look for properties, negotiate, deal with tenants, deal with whatever, deal with managers, even if you're not managing the property, you got a very passive role. And like you said, worst case scenario, they pay you the interest that they, they promised you. Mm-hmm. That's the worst case. And if they default, you have obviously remedies to make out like abandoned and take that property with the equity that's that's in there. I find it interesting. They said the worst case scenario is they pay you. Because that right. most people think that's the best case scenario. The best case scenario is they don't pay you and you take back the property and then you own the property for pennies on the dollar. So that's the best case scenario. So I just want to We're not sure recommending exactly. you do this. Don't, don't ever make predatory ro- yeah. loans. Yeah. It, the concept or the spirit of private lending yes. is to help individuals achieve their goals a lot quicker because the bank will never be able to lend and turn around on a loan in 24, 48, 72 hours. The private lender has that luxury. And so if you need to get into because you're getting, you know, a million dollar property, somebody says, hey, man, I need $600,000 today or tomorrow because I have to go get surgery or whatnot. And I need the money tomorrow. If I don't get it tomorrow, you can give me $4 million after tomorrow and it's going to be useless to me. I'm going to keep the property. A bank will never be able to do that. But a private lender can, you know, we can uh, move quickly. We can move really quickly. Yeah. So and the beauty of also private lending is do you think that if you lend money to someone on a property at 11% interest, they want to keep you there forever? The answer is no, is what they're going to do is use you as a bridge. And they're using you as a bridge to get to a more traditional financing that's going to take longer. So you buy that property at $600,000 because you can get it at a severe discount or a steep discount. And then you do your own work and three, four months later, you can refinance with a traditional bank, get the money out, pay back the lender, and then go to a traditional three, 4% interest loan or mortgage. So what happens to the private lenders? They can recycle that money and make two, three private loans. And although the interest annually is going to be the same, the points that they charge up front, those can add up every year. So your return on your money becomes even sexier. It can be so, like over 20% if you recycle. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's pretty yeah. good. You said something I just want to touch on. I think we should do a podcast on is how to use a tax deferment or tax-free vehicle. And I think our next podcast will be on that, on how to take retirement funds and or other people's retirement funds and actually do all these trend, these private loans tax-free for the lender itself. Now, the downside of what Gabriel is saying is that there needs to be a little bit of savviness to understand what the risks are 
be educated as to what to do, how to do it, find the right deal, find also the right operator, because you can get a great deal with a shitty operator and it runs it to the ground, and by the time you get your money back, the property has no value. And that's one of the reasons we started a private equity fund is those that want the passive income and have cash, because some people have no money or don't want to use their money. Some have another problem, which is too much money and they need somewhere to put it and have all the benefits of real estate without the risk. And that's one of the reasons we started a private equity fund. So any investor that is looking for you know, a place to park cash in a place where there's experience, there's mechanisms to do the best they can to protect the money and the investment and to really vet property. We definitely um, have avenues for that as well. And um, I think in the show notes, we'll, we started a, a private equity fund called Capri Capital. And if you check all the boxes, we might even be able to do business together, but we have to see if you're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for you. So we'll have to check that. Um, so it, of course, with any investment opportunity, you want to make you do your research and make sure you're, you know, you're checking all the boxes for risk management and your level of comfort on what's going on. So and, and your own investment objectives. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we're disclosing that as well. Yeah. So I think our next episode will be on on tax free stuffs. But anyway, keep going, Gabe. Frank, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I just wanted to before I forgot because I think that's a good topic. No, I think we covered the I guess the main points of what private lending is and also how to use it as an investment vehicle because. I think we we cover a lot of private lending how it comes into your structure as a as a buyer or a, a buyer of real estate and an owner of real estate but it is in and of itself an actual real estate investment strategy which is, it is. it's a really solid one and it basically you become the bank and there's really no better position than being the bank in in my opinion and I think, and Frank, I think you'll agree with this, that we do a lot of deals. We we're building equity and building wealth through real estate. But the ultimate goal is to be able to also do a lot of private lending and shift from being super active to more passive through private lending. And that's how you can just keep making your, you know, your money will keep making babies while you can do whatever it is that you want without actually having to worry about the headaches of whatever it is that you feel are headaches for real estate. You know, I think we have controls and processes in place, which we, you know, we're, we're good at. But, you know, a lot of people do the real estate themselves, which I still don't understand why I would shoot myself. But if you're at that level, eventually you might get tired and private lending is a great way of making your money grow. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, for myself anyways, I'm not shifting 100% to private no, lending. Never. I, yeah. I like to diversify. I still like the real estate. I still I like to take down. It's a high. It's, it's a rush for me. So I like that. Whether I keep that property for you know the next 20 years or 25 years, that's a different story. But I was, and we talked about this many times off air and all that, but I've been my own private lending. I got money from one of the charter banks. And you know, like you said, in the line of credit, and I lent it to my U.S. entity to purchase a property. I did it using the bank's money. So I said, well, the bank was willing to give me a line of credit at 2%, 2.5, whatever. It was an unsecured line of credit, 2.5. I lent it to my legal entity in the States to purchase uh, a few of my properties at 10%, 11%. So in essence, I my own client was myself or my own entity. And it worked out well. And yes, obviously, when you get a taste of it, because it's not only for the banks. That's what everyone used to think. Oh, the banks. You got to go to the banks. That's not the case nowadays. You can become the bank and you can make money. You can have you have options other than to put your money into the bank and watch it grow or or, uh, or not, not even grow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in most cases it's not. It, it, I think there was a study. They said if you put your money into a mutual fund, which is a a fund of mutual stocks. Let's just say appliances. So they have a whole bunch of appliance stocks, uh, appliance brands in there, and you put your money in there over the course of I think they did it over twenty years with the ups and downs or whatever, over the 20 years, you actually yield about 3%. 
I wonder if that takes inflation into account, which is the Probably biggest not. Uh, yeah. eroder. Well, hold on a sec. Of what wealth. they did, though, what they did, and, t- and, and I found this clever in two thousand and eight nine, they set a anomaly year, so they excluded that because it would drive that three percent over twenty years into a negative if they included that. But that's part of life. You're going to have those cycles every decade, and they excluded it. And you know, with small disclaimer, I was like, "What happened to 2008? Oh no, we don't talk about that. We don't include it in the calculation. That's like doing inflation. I think these the are not the droids here, you're looking for. Yeah, yeah inflation. Um, I think they don't include food and and uh, fuel. They do. They just change oh, they, the they basket change the of formula? food. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. No, they don't change the formula. They change the basket. So one year they'll use a T-bone steak, but then if that's too expensive, the next year it'll oh, be it a steak, no and then they'll compare yeah. it. So yeah, it's manipulated in other it words. Is. But yeah, it is. A, yeah, so, but. It's Listen, interesting. I, I said this at the beginning. If you don't have a plan for your money, someone else does, and you won't like their plan. And ignorance is very expensive. Very, very expensive. So the more you're educated, and the more you can educate others as well, because if someone does have money, and you have a great deal, you put those two together, and you're both winning. They can make a 10... I'll pay 12% interest all day long on a property that making a, that's making a 25% return. Think about it. Yep. I can buy... I'll borrow the money at 12 the 25%, I'm still left with 13% of money that I didn't have to find, which is an infinite return. And as soon as I refinance it, I pay off my private lender. That'll say, shit, I don't want to be paid back. I want to be making this money. And then as soon as you pay them back, they're going to say, go find me another deal. And, and the high just, interest is temporary. You know, right? exactly. It's a short-term fix. And those that you say, I will never pay. I, I've done webinars where people say, I will never pay you know, any more than 5% interest, never going to happen. I'm like, well, then you're an idiot because if you're making a 20% return and you have to borrow the money at 12 because the deal's there today, but gone tomorrow, pay the 12%, make 8% the spread. It's actually infinite and cash them out in a year when you refinance it at your 5% or whatever you want to do. So, you know, it's not how much you pay that matters. It's how much you make the counts and mm-hmm. understanding that is going to be a big shift in your financial independence. So anyway, I think we're out of time. Guys, appreciate you very much and the listener as well. Like it, love it, share it. And uh, next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, ways of lending, but through different tax saving mechanisms and uh, just the brushstrokes because I don't think we're experts on that either. But hey, we make shit up as we go along, but it's great content. (laughs) We appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Bye for now. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, This course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to GetDealsByTuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm